You are now listening to What's the Fuzz, a furry podcast that advocates for diversity, equality, and cultural exchange inside and outside of the fandom. Never miss another episode again. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And now, your host, Reiner. Hey everyone, welcome to What's the Fuzz. It's great to see you all again, and if it's your first time tuning in, thanks for stopping by. Normally, Reiner would be the one greeting you, but he's currently on a business trip and forgot to bring his mic with him to record the intro, so it's me, Vio, the head sound engineer for the show, making my debut. Things have gotten pretty busy behind the scenes for both of us lately, so I just wanted to say I super appreciate all of y'all for sticking with us through this turbulent time. Now, this episode was recorded back in March 21st of 2021, and damn, it's been a while since then, hasn't it? Anyway, we'll be discussing education, history, and the passing of knowledge on this episode of What's the Fuzz? Tonight I'm sitting down with Mandy, an interesting insect, er, arachnid, that spends her time educating others about dope-ass black people things. Be sure to catch her over at Twitter. At Arachnid says, linked in the show notes below. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Mandy. I'm ready Yay. to learn. Yay! What's up, friend? <laughs> hey, what's going on? It's going. Oh man. Oh, I bet our listeners have been waiting for this one. They're high. Oh my They're high. I'm glad. I'm so happy. <laughs> I mean, I know that you you've talked to so many important people, important POC, and it's it's a good thing. I just want to say thank you for that because that's amazing in itself. So. Oh, yeah, and they've been singing your praises like crazy. You have no idea. People love shouting you out. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. <laughs> I know, right? But, hey, let's throw an icebreaker question to set the mood a little bit. So if you've been on Twitter, I'm sure you've seen the TikTok of the girl that is a beehive keeper, but she doesn't wear the suit very often or uh, she doesn't use it as much as she could. So she goes into these places and she picks up the beehives with her bare hands because she can read the bees' movements. So if you had the spare time to learn how to pick up uh, active beehives with your bare hands, would you do it? Oh my gosh. This is hilarious because I've talked to Ghazi and I was like, one day I just want to be like a beekeeper and have like something in like a large like backyard or field. But without the suit, no. That is just, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, I, I i guess I understand the whole being able to, no, never mind. I don't understand how she, that person is able to, to read it, but I don't think I will without the suit. I mean, I know bees really? are kind of, yeah, I know bees are kind of like, they're fine unless you agitate them. But yeah, I, no, I don't think I want to risk that. Like, she has been hitting the books on some bee shaking and stuff. Like, she understands when the bees are aggressive and passive, so I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. I couldn't, I could not do that shit. I would freak out. I would <laughs> die. <laughs> I li- I love bees, but, like, I, yeah, I couldn't do it without the suit. I just, yeah. I'd love to, like, learn how to keep them one day, though. That's always interested me a lot. Felt, felt. Well, anyways, to get started out there, our listeners would love to know a little bit more about you. So where are you from? How old are you? What are your pronouns, your ethnicity? And how would you describe your sexuality slash gender identity if you feel okay with disclosing so? Absolutely. Okay, so let me go back. Um, (laughs) 
it's like I'm setting up like a dating profile. Never mind. Sorry, Gazi. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was born in South Carolina, but we moved to Tennessee around like 2009 or so. I'm actually about to be moving again for school uh, in August. I'm moving to Boston. Um, I'm an archaeology major slash history major. I have one degree in history so far, and I'm working on my next one. I don't know if I'll go for one after that, because school is kind of, is hard. <laughs> it's hard right now. I'm 21 years old. Pronouns are she, they. Sexuality? I don't, I don't know. I fall between, like, you know, I don't, I'm still figuring that out, honestly, but, you know, mm. I, I'm not going to put myself in a box, but I'm just, for now, I'll say that I am bi. But yeah, I'm still I'm still figuring that out. Honestly, it's a it's been a oh, journey sure. for me. Had some good days trying to figure it out, some bad days trying to figure it out. But that's just that's just you know, an adventure in itself. So I'll get there. I'll get it right one day. Facts about myself. Other than like I'm a complete history nerd. I like video games, like watching TikToks, basically anything else like a 21 year old would do. <laughs> would do okay, really. but do you like Starbucks? No. I don't like coffee. <laughs> oh my, they have tea. I don't like tea either though. <laughs> I'm like, oh my. <laughs> I'm like personally offended. This is offending me. Oh my gosh, my culture. What are you doing? I can't. I'm it's too sweet. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know why. It's the flavors. They're just like, Okay, oh. but they got the red velvet loaves there though. You know what? And I've always wanted to try their like, um, what is it? Refreshers? Right. What like what are those? Is that tea? It's just f- like a fruit drink. Okay. Yeah, because I I go there and I'm like I don't like anything on this menu. I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> but okay, like I so want to try the. They're for the people that don't like sweet. Okay. Yeah that that might be my type of thing because yeah, I mm. cannot do sweets at all. <laughs> Damn, you're a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, hey, it's great getting to know you. And honestly, I think the bi thing is cool because they have a really pretty flag. But that's that's bias. Yeah. <laughs> the flag is pretty awesome. I love it a lot. <laughs> Who's your main OC and how do you feel you express yourself through them? Oh my goodness. My main OC is Mandy. She's a jumping spider. Um, it's funny because I I've only recently had Mandy. Like I, I had Mandy made in oh gosh, t- late 2019 I think, and I've been in this fandom Ooh. since 2015. So Damn. I had characters for sure, but none that I ever related with until I had Mandy made because I had to sit down and be like, well, I don't relate to cats and dogs or wolves. I'm not trying to offend anyone out there who does have a Sona of that species, but I was like, I want something like unique that people are like, oh wow, I've never seen that before. Or maybe inspire other people to do it. So out of the blue, like it was, it was like after Spider Verse came out, and I was just like, oh my god, what if I just had a spider? So like, oh gosh, I I have to, I can't remember the artist's name. Shoot, I feel really bad now. If I can find it, I'll probably make a tweet about it a little bit later. But I went to them and I was like, hey, I see you're open for custom designs right now. What about a spider? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they told me about like you know colors and things like that and I just wanted really natural colors because I am brown (laughs) so I wanted her to be brown and she just she just came to be and she's she's who I am she has my glasses and you know I just feel like she expresses what I like 
like Spider-Man things and stuff like that in history. So I just picked the spider for my for my main Sona. So that's really how that kind of started. But yeah, I didn't I didn't really have a Sona for myself for a very long time. And it feels really nice to now have one for myself because it's like, oh, now I can join like how everybody else feels. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. Do you feel like it contrasts the B Sona a little bit? A little bit because Azalea, who's who that's that's my B Sona. Um, it kind of it they complement each other because Azalea is more like my music side because she is basically one huge like Wu Tang reference. If people don't know who Wu Tang is, they're a rap group. Their whole thing is like the killer bees, black and white color or black and yellow colors and things like that. So I was like, oh my gosh, I love this rap group. I want to make a Sona based off of that, but like my personality also so like mandy is like the serious like kind of comic book nerd but azalea is like the more laid back music loving you know type of character um but both of them are history incorporated definitely for sure damn that is really cool yeah all right Do you often find people in similar fields as yours in the furry fandom? I have found there's a lot of history majors in the fandom for sure, but I think I've only spoken Ooh. to make like two or other archaeologists and one of them uh, messaged me and they were like, oh yeah, it's, it's a lot of digs. And they were giving me all these like examples of places they've been to and like, how many digs that they've been on and they were just telling me about it and they were like oh my god it's so cool to find like another archaeologist in the fandom and I'm sitting here like geeking out I'm like oh my god you're doing what I want to do that's so cool <laughs> and we were just like going back and forth it was it was awesome it was yeah but there's there's a little bit like there's a whole bunch of like history people a lot of history buffs in the fandom but only a few like um archaeology people per se damn that's so interesting so do you think if we manage these archaeology buffs like well enough that we could actually move the fandom forward in talking more about like the past, like America's past? So I feel as if like um, America's past is kind of a difficult thing to talk about because it, it, it can mean a lot to a lot of different people. Um, if you're if you're black, America's ha- America's past will look different to you than if you were white it will look different to you if you were gay it will look different to you if you were from latin descent or like hispanic descent it will be different i feel as if if we have a lot of history people in the fandom of different you know poc groups and they can speak about it you'll have all these different voices coming together and being able to to teach through their eyes and what they see not just through like certain months like black history month but like hopefully every day and they'll be able to, you know, inspire other POC historians to, you know, step up and be like, oh, well, I could teach about what I know. Because there's different people in the fandom who know about different topics. Um, like somebody will know more about like uh, Latin music more than I will. Or about like um, like Italian culture than I will. So getting more POC to talk about what they know with their history will kind of, you know, push it forwards, hopefully. Right, right. Because I feel like there's a lot of talent in the fandom and a lot of people that study academic things that aren't necessarily pushed to their full potential fandom wise. And it's fine if you don't want to like incorporate that in the fandom or anything. But if you have felt like maybe you have, I feel like there's a missed opportunity there. Right, right. 
So I was thinking maybe in the future we could have like panels like where we talk about things that people don't understand, like maybe some indigenous things, because people don't really understand where the boundaries are a lot when it comes to how the different tribes operate and why they can't touch certain things that they want to touch. Yeah. And instead of having these indigenous furs literally just scream all the time uh, because they're just so tired of the appropriation day in and day out, we should try and mitigate that by actually teaching people with the resources that we have. Absolutely. Um, Oh my gosh. Panels is such a good idea. That is like one thing I've been like pushing for, for like the fandom, just more POC leading history panels at FurCons, because I feel like if you go to one of these panels at a FurCon, you could take what you've learned outside of the fandom and talk to other people about, hey, did you know this? Did you know why it's okay to not do this, this, mm-hmm. and this? When mm-hmm. you're speaking about, like, um, native regalia, people like um, Wolf on Twitter and Tanya speak about it all the time, but I feel like their voices are constantly being spoken over, and no one's truly understanding why they're what they're saying, and it keeps happening. You keep seeing fursuiters wearing things that they're not supposed to be wearing. And when they get called out, they're like, oh, well, I saw this other person doing it. So I thought I could do it too, instead of actually listening to native voices as to why you shouldn't do that. Like um, another example of this that I'm thinking of for, you know, Black Furries is a friend of mine, Chocolate Quill on Twitter. They just did a fantastic video explanation of the background of like the N word and why you should not say it and why, you know, or why non-Black folks should not say it. And just the history behind it and what it means to us and reclaiming that word back and what it means. And I feel like if we had more spaces to push opportunities like that for people to learn, it could really change how people think like in and out of the fandom, really. Absolutely. Especially with how these issues were dealt with in the past, which is to say not at all. <laughs> like the furry back in the 90s, from what I understand, it was a bit of a hellscape. They want to go back to these olden days where they didn't have to think about what they said or how horrible it was, right? But now people want to change that. They want to start thinking about how what they're saying matters and how it impacts things. But it's not going to be something that's instant, right? It's going to be something that takes a lot of time and patience. And people are going to get tired. (laughs) We can't just have the same people doing it over and over again, but... I feel like our best bet is to keep pushing forward and allowing these people to speak out. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. It's literally why I, I've made a few posts where I'm saying that, you know, I'm I'm not going to be in the fandom forever. I know that for myself. But my hope is to one day be able to inspire more people to continue to speak out about it, you know, when people like us are no longer here. Um of course, there's going to be people who will always be in this fandom, of course, but I I want the people whose voices feel like they haven't been heard to be pushed forwards. Like, you mentioned, like, the whole thing about the 90s and how even today some furries are like, oh, well, I just want the old fandom back and how it used to be. Yeah. It's, it, it's not per se that the fandom is changing. It's more so people are getting the equal opportunity to speak up about issues that they're facing every single day. And more people are listening and 
it's really showing people's true colors because you have people who are willing to listen, willing to help, and you have people who are not. And whether they make that decision is theirs, but now it's it's inspiring more people to, hey, I see these same issues that I'm facing, so I want to speak up because I know there will be people to support me. And that's kind of the space that I really want to see like evolve in this fandom. I, I really do. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to see more BIPOC people come into the fandom because they feel like they can, because they want to be here, and because the stigma that it's just a white people thing or whatever is gone. That would be awesome. Yes, definitely, 100%. Because like when I first joined, that's <laughs> I'm not going to lie, that's the first thing that I thought about. I was like, there's no Black people in this fandom. Um, but then I remember going yeah. to... Then I remember going to like FWA in 2018 and I found out that Solar Dog or Soul did a a black POC party. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Um, But yeah, I definitely get the feeling of, you know, being kind of lost and feeling like there's there's no one else in this fandom that's like you. And it, it really does suck. And it can make people really upset. It can make people leave a fandom, too. Um, so I definitely understand that. I agree with you there. Would you say Soul's the reason that you're in the fandom in the way that you are? Um, le- like inspiration wise, Soul is a fantastic person. I feel like Soul has inspired so many people to just speak up against what's going on. But I would be kind of remiss if I did not give a shout out to Jinx or Jinxis on Twitter. They were the first oh, yeah. like. I'm not going to say like well-known, but I will say first like major like Black Fray that I knew. Um, I've I've known Jinx since I was 15. Um, They they were the ones who gave me my first fursuit and they've been watching over me this whole time. I'm blessed to be friends with them. Um, But they were the first person to really inspire me about to speak up what's going on because I saw I saw Jinx's thread about what it means to be Black in this fandom. And I was like, oh, my gosh, well, I'm going to speak up about the same thing. So that's kind of how that pushed me into doing what I'm doing now. That's incredible. And how far do you want to take it? Like, how far do you want to push this? What you're doing personally? I just, until I see, you know, enough people feel like they have an opportunity to speak out and that they're heard, especially Black women. I would love to see Black women in this fandom feel like that they have a place, that they have people they can relate to. Because it's it's very hard being a black woman sometimes, um, but I want to I want to hopefully inspire more of us to speak up. Um, I'm just putting a spotlight on black women, but I mean that as all POC in general. Really, I'm just gonna keep trying my best and hopefully just inspire more, you know, people to feel comfortable in their own skin and be able to talk about their own history with people having open ears and like open hearts and understanding. So that's that's really it for that. Agreed, agreed. I would love to have more women of color in the fandom in general. Yeah, It seems like I just can't... I'm having difficulties finding them. I know they're out there for sure, for sure. But I'm just struggling to actually like make connections with them. Yeah, it, it can be really hard because I know for um, from the perspective of like a Black woman, um, appreciating ourselves, is it can be sometimes really hard to do. And getting that same appreciation from others can be really hard because, you know, when most people hear about like black women, there's stereotypes and we feel like we can't really speak about it. And it, it can be hard to find 
a lot of POC women because I feel like women already feel like they don't have a loud voice in this fandom to begin with. Um, it's it's a very like you know male driven fandom, uh, so I feel like a lot of women feel like they can't express how they feel, and it it just gets hard in some places. But hopefully that I can you know inspire more uh, POC women to feel like they can speak up and be able to teach or make art and you know do everything else that includes like trans women as well. Um, but that's really like my main my main goal, I think. Definitely, definitely. So since you are a black woman and all, did you ever feel held back by the fandom at any point? Um, not really held back, but I will say there were opportunities or times where I felt like I had to readjust myself to the people around me. Um, I feel uh-huh. like there were certain jokes that I couldn't make or there was certain types of music I couldn't listen to around certain groups of people or certain experiences that I had that no one else would really understand because they, they didn't look like me at the very beginning. So there was a lot of just me just trying to fit in anywhere I could to be happy. And once I realized that that wasn't making me happy, not speaking out about what didn't make me, you know, feel at home, just it, it, it made me sad. I had to take a break and rethink about, you know, myself and who I was. That's why I, had to find my own character, had to make my own Sona because the ones that I had weren't doing it because they weren't mine. They weren't created by me. They were created by someone else. And I'm not trying to crap on adopts. Adopts are fantastic. Um, But for me, it just, after a while, it felt like I had nothing to connect to personally for this fandom. So I was like, I had to kind of readjust what I was doing and make my own character and try to just figure myself out from there. Damn, that's crazy. So how would you want to change things for the next generation to come into the fandom? The next um, Super Zoomer, TikTok, Saw Fursuit, Want One kind of crowd that is more socially aware? I mean, like like I did like when I first joined this fandom, the first thing that I looked up was like panel videos and stuff like that. I hope that um whenever we do have you know cons back again if one day one of my panels is recorded I hope someone out there who looks like me or who is POC and really young can look at it and be like oh wow so I can go and learn about you know my own people learn about things that they didn't teach me in school I could be around people who look like me in this one space um that's why I'm really like excited for Harvest Moon because oh my goodness that is fantastic like I was literally I literally made a post after uh, Chise talked about it and I was like, this is going to like be so great for young POC right now because they can feel like they have a con that represents them. Even if they don't know it yet, they'll grow up in a space made by people who look like they do. And that is just the most fantastic thing. But if I can, if I can inspire people through panels or, you know, educational videos or lessons, whenever I can post them, it, that's that's what I want for the future. I want them to be able to see it and be like, oh my gosh, well, I can go here for questions or learning or if I want to start, where do I start? You know, things like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Now you bring up Halfest and I've been thinking about it myself because it's going to be, it's going to be different. It's going to be different from a lot of the cons out there. But what do you think will really cement it in 
the furry space as something that's not just a uh, a fad or something that came from the times, but it's something that will stick around. I honestly think that the staff really, um, the staff is full of amazing people, amazing POC who really who really care about what they're doing. They they're working so hard to make sure that everyone is so included. And that's nothing that I've ever seen before, specifically towards POC. I've seen, of course, we've seen cons talk about, you know, have rules and regulations. And that's that's completely fun because it's necessary. And, and they're doing a great job as well. But I feel like um, Harvest Moon is doing a fantastic job of including like POC lives in particular because they're their main mission is to make them feel like they have a place in the fandom. And it's, it's just fantastic. I feel like their staff is just doing things that is completely different from other cons. And it's just, it's amazing to see it unfold. It really is. It makes me really, really happy to, to watch it as it goes on. Because like I said, it's, it's nothing I've ever seen before. And I've been in this fandom since 2015. And I think like Harvest Moon is probably the, the most excited that I've been for a con in a very long time. So because I feel like I'm included in, it's ran by con members who I can relate to. So it's like, I'm just super excited for that. Are your interactions with the furry fandom more so offline or online? Uh, I mean, because of like COVID and everything, <laughs> unfortunately, um, recently they've, they've been online. But when I first started in this fandom, they were all offline. Like I went to a ton of conventions and just met a lot of people in person. But now I feel like, it's definitely been more online. I've been online for a very long time, had tons of characters, interacted with tons of people. But yeah, more so, it's it's definitely online, more online these days. Did you ever have any anxiety meeting furries because of the way that, you know, you look and everything? Um, uh, kind of. Um, I remember... Uh, my first FWA where I met uh, two of my best friends, Havoc and Seda, I was kind of worried about like what they would think of me without my fursuit on. Sorry, I'm like pausing because it's kind of making me a little bit emotional. Okay. I didn't know if they would want to be friends with me because you never know how people re- will like react to, you know, seeing someone's true face. But Havoc was the nicest person I've ever met in this fandom. And they are like one of my greatest friends. Same thing with Seda. And I'm I'm really glad I met them because we've been to so many conventions afterwards and they were literally like family. Like people will see all three of us like in suit at a convention and they'll be like, oh my God, it's the trio. Like, cause they see us everywhere together. We're like inseparable now. But I remember just being really young and just feeling so uncomfortable because I was like, I don't look anything like them. I wonder if, you know, they'll, they'll even want to be my friend, but they did. And it was, it was really nice to, it was really nice to find that out that they, you know, they just treated me like everyone else. It was fantastic. I loved it. I'm glad that really turned out great for you because I've heard stories go the other way on this show. So I'm glad that you actually got some friends out of it, honestly. Yeah. And I think that's something that kind of separates BIPOC furries from the other furs because when you take off the head, it's like this this kind of like, oh, geez. I don't know what they're going to say about me. Uh, and that's not even because you have like uh, freaking, I don't know, buck teeth or something. It's because you're darker a little bit. So it's an added layer of anxiety. Just lovely. But 
it can turn out okay sometimes. And I think it's good to remind people of that. But it could also be bad. Be careful. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Please be careful. Just always, like, you know, surround yourself with, with people who you know have good intentions. I know that can be really hard with people wearing fursuits. But if you know their online presence a little bit, you'll know kind of where they're where their spirits lie at least for you know an amount of time before you actually meet them but yeah you're right definitely be careful with who you surround yourself with but generally speaking as we include more diversity in the fandom and we see more shades of other people we won't have these incidents where a black furry is is out of suit and they're wearing their furry lanyard or whatever and they get stopped in a in a room and they're asking them why are they why are they there because they don't look like a furry because those moments make people leave the fandom they make people not feel like they're welcome in the fandom and we can't have that if we want real diversity if we want to say that we care about people we can't be having that happen absolutely like um i know you spoke to gazi and i don't know if he he tells me the story all the time where he encountered people telling him that that he didn't look like he was a furry Oh, yeah. And, like, it just made him, like, generally upset because it makes me think about if he left, he's he's my better half. He's the love of my life. I would have never met him. (laughs) And that makes me really sad to think about sometimes because you can miss out on so many great relationships if people have interactions like that. So I definitely get where you're coming from from there because it's just... It can break people's hearts, literally. It can make people feel like they're, they're not included. It can make people feel very uncomfortable. So I, I definitely get what you mean. And this could even be something that extends to people making jokes about it. Like, ha, you don't really look like a furry. Like, uh, yeah, you get five, ten of those a day. And what does that do to your self-esteem? What does that do to your self-image? Right. People need to think about what they're saying to BIPOC furs and people in general, but especially BIPOC furs in the fandom, because it can be something that is genuinely heart-wrenching to a lot of us out there that that spend the money or spend the time traveling to finally get to these places where we can meet weirdos like us and suddenly we're the we're the outcast among outcasts. Absolutely. Doesn't feel great. Yeah, no, it 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 it's just truly heartbreaking. I know I keep saying that, but it it can make you really feel like just uncomfortable. Like you don't really fit in anywhere. And if this is your first episode that you're listening from the podcast, first of all, hello. <laughs> hello again. I implore you to listen to some of the other episodes because this is not a one-off occurrence. It actually happens pretty often, sadly. Uh, I would say eight out of ten of my guests have experienced some form of this this happening to them. So hey, just check it out if you if you have the time. Does your family know that you're a furry? Yeah, well, my mom knows. She definitely knows. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, my poor mom with 15-year-old Mandy. Uh, begging her <laughs> to take her to Anthrocon. That was an experience. Um, yeah, my mom definitely knows because I had to, like I said, I was 15 and I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I looked up YouTube and I saw like the dance comp and I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Look at them go in their weird animal suits. <laughs> and I don't know why I loved it so much, but I did. Um, yeah, she took me to Anthrocon 2015. Um, and then like one FWA, and oh my gosh, I remember this one interaction she had. She told me about 
they were like all she said was it was a pink fox I don't know who it was I wish I knew now because I would be like you you had an interaction with my mom um but she said like I think she asked I don't know if she asked them directly or she just spoke it out loud like oh gee I wonder what the time was and the suitor just like turned to her and like pointed to a clock somewhere and my mom was just like oh thank you (laughs) and I was like that I don't know why that makes me laugh but it does because I love that interaction so much Um, but yeah she definitely knows she thinks it's she thinks it's really hilarious but creative she thinks that I under I explained it to her like you know this is just me expressing like expressing myself in a different way and you know stuff like that so she's like okay well as long as you're happy you know you do what you want to do have you gotten her to put on the suit no (laughs) I really oh my gosh I don't even know what suit she could wear honestly I always say like if she did have a fursona she would definitely be also be like she would have a B because she's she's busier than me. She like zooms around everywhere. She is just busy all the time. But, you know, she makes time for people she cares about. So that would definitely be her persona, some sort of like just fast moving like bug. Um, but I'm going to try to get her to put it on one day. Definitely. I have to. <laughs> there you go. We got to convert them all. Yes. <laughs> one at a time. Absolutely. So speaking of your family, were there any like traditions or anything that you learned from them that you would want to pass down to other people? Yes. So um, my dad is from uh, the Caribbean island of Barbados. Um, he There are tons of foods that he just makes all the time. Just a ton of like Caribbean dishes. And like um, in the summer, they have like a celebration in like, in the fall they do they have like a crop over festival that's like for like the harvest and stuff like that but there's like the independence day festival where they dress up in these beautiful like carnival colors and all these dances and all these artists from Barbados who make art and music and they just dance and it's oh it's fantastic it's kind of like the carnival in like Rio but you know smaller because Barbados is a very small island you can get to one end of the island to the other in like one day um but it's just it's just fantastic. I would love to just bring some of the history of that island to like the fandom and the other people, some of the dishes even maybe, um, some of the music, things like that. Because like I feel like when people think of Barbados, they just think about Rihanna, which is fine. I love Rihanna. <laughs> that works. Um, but I feel like people should learn more. If that's like one thing one day I can learn how to figure out and bring it to the fandom and have people listen. It would be fantastic. I would love to talk more about my dad's culture if I could. Well, hey, do you know any fun Barbados thought? Like little tips or tidbits or something about it? Oh my gosh. Um I know you shouldn't keep food out like randomly because monkeys will come and take all your food. Oh, um, damn. Yeah, it's yeah, they have they got some monkeys down there. Um <laughs> but just random stuff like that is like it's it's always fun to me to think about. I know like my dad randomly taught me how to check for like a good coconut. I hate coconut, but I know how to check for like a ripe one now and what a ripe <laughs> one looks like because he's he's all about it. Um, just, you know, being respectful, uh, saying hello, speaking to elders, shaking people's hands, looking them directly in the eye, you know, stuff like that from his culture that I grew up with. Um, it's just, yeah, fun facts like that kind of oh, got passed cool, down cool. to me. What's the proper way to give a handshake? So 
Oh my God. Bajans are very like short-tempered people. If you're not like looking at them directly in the eye and saying, you know, hello, how are you? They'll get mad at you very quickly. <laughs> yeah, island people are very, we're very short-tempered or can be short-tempered. So just, you know, have their respect, look them in the eye, say hello. Um, just normal, just courtesy. But I feel like with Bajans, it's kind of, it's kind of like on the fence because sometimes we will get mad <laughs> if you're not like paying attention. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever visit, I'll remember that. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get beaten over with a coconut or something. <laughs> yeah, they are very like outspoken people as well. Um, so yeah, definitely just, you know, just be mindful, but that's with anybody though. You should, you know, pay attention to what they're saying. <laughs> Welcome to the middle of this episode of What's the Fuzz? Don't forget to give us a like or subscribe on your platform of choice. And if you're listening on Spotify, follow us so you'll know when the latest episode drops. If you're not using any of those things to listen to this, just follow us on Twitter at what's the fuzz underscore or check out the Telegram channel t.me slash which I use to post important things that tend to get lost on the Twitter timeline, like pictures of myself. Oh, and if you're BIPOC and over 18, don't forget to check out the BarPox Discord server linked in the show notes below. Okay, okay. That's everything. Okay, bye. So would you consider yourself to be like a little bit of a historian? I don't think I am yet. And I say that because I'm still learning. Um, there's still so much more about history that I just don't know about. Like through Black History Month, I was learning so much from other Black furries. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know this. And, like, I, I learn more about history from other cultures every single day. So I don't I don't think I'm a historian yet. I don't know when I'll reach that level. Maybe one day I'll just wake up and be like, I'm a historian now, guys. But, like, um, <laughs> as of right now, no, because there's still things that I want to learn and still things that I want to pass on. So I don't think I am one yet. I don't know when, like I said, I don't know when that day is going to come where I'm like, oh, my God, I know everything. But... <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I don't think I am just yet. I'm still working on it. Felt, felt. So how do you feel about this uptick in talking about Black history because of what happened in 2020? You were seeing it on your timelines. People were spreading it in cards. It was everywhere. People were talking about it. And a lot of these people didn't know this stuff because it wasn't taught in American history class at any point in time. They weren't telling us that uh, George Washington used the slave's teeth for his his dentures and he did that like all the time there's there's multiple of these and that we were they were using uh african enslaved people's hair in the upholstery for for their furniture and using the babies as alligator bait and all this other crazy shit like how does that how does it make you feel as someone who had an innate interest in these things so American history from very early on, meaning elementary history through middle school history, kind of high school history as well, is very European and very like colonial. What I mean by that is like, it focuses more on, look at all these wars that we've won for people who are white, then let's talk about the black struggle, but let's not talk about the black experience after the struggle. Let's just focus majority on history, like on slave history and not talk about what all the success that black people have had like have had after that um it's very i say it's very european because it focuses on people like george washington 
And for your example is, like, what, what are all the things you can remember about George Washington when you first learned about him? Like, he's the first president. He was just this great, amazing guy. That's all you learn from history books. I don't understand why it's it took so long for the education system to hold the knowledge that he had slave teeth. He was just this really military heavy, just rude guy. Nobody learned about that until they got to either college or online, like people do now. And it kind of breaks my heart because I was like that at one point. I was like, okay, well, this guy's on the dollar. You know, he has to be important. Look at him. He's wearing a powdered wig. Look at him. But now it's like, oh, wow. It it kind of sucks to see and think back on all the times where I'm thinking about, oh, my gosh, Christopher Columbus. We learned about him. We learned about a song about him and everything. And then now I get through college and I'm like, oh, he was terrible. Oh, my God, he sucked. I just, the the only struggle with that I have is I don't know a way to teach children about the truth about that at a very young age. Because learning about that kind of thing at a very young age is so crucial. But to have kids understand it, because I don't want to just look at like a, a four-year-old kid and be like, that guy owns, like he owns slaves. He, they, they used us as alligator bait. Because I feel like once you, if you scare a kid out of that, they won't learn history anymore. They won't have an interest in it anymore. So it's really just trying to find a way to have people at a young age have an interest in this and continue to want to learn about it and also you know speak out and be vocal um with organizations about teaching more about you know the black experience outside of slavery but you know as well as slavery also talk about how bad presidents really were at times because it's so important to like how that influences them into the future but it's just how to do that at a young age is very hard and I'm trying to figure that out myself because it's like I don't I don't know, because like I said, when you're young, that learning point is crucial because it ins- it inspires how you grow as a person. But how to have someone learn that so young when they need it at that stage, I don't know how to do it. I wish I had the answers. I really do. But once we figure it out, it's going to be great because I'm not saying it's going to fix all the issues that we have now, but it'll make people understand more. It'll make them love more, you know, stuff like that. Oh, definitely. Now, my big point of contention here is when schools think that <laughs> having ki- little kids like dress up as as natives and the pilgrims or as slaves and a slave owner is any way to teach history to like little kids. Like if you're four to eight years old and you're doing these things, you're going to continue thinking that these things are either normal or like, OK, And someone has to tell you that it's not okay. Because if you were allowed to do these things when you were younger, why are you telling me no now that I'm an adult? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a way to teach kids about that side of of history without having them dress up. Definitely. You could have, for an example, I guess I'm answering my own question with what I just said. Um... (laughs) I guess you could have one thing I would really think of is if there's like authors of books who are POC, they can come in and talk about, you know, what this means, their experiences or what their history is back in those times. Um, 
the whole like dressing up as slave owners thing, it revolves back into, like I said, history being completely European and us glorifying all of these people because, oh, they're presidents. You're supposed to respect them. Okay. But they were also really bad people. Some of them were really bad people. Most of them were really bad people. Um, it, it's just, there's a way to do it. It either having people who are directly, whose ancestors who have directly been impacted by these people speak up or just reaching out to leaders of organizations who stop the impact of what those people have done in the past. You could have, for example, you could have like CEOs or partners of like Black Girls Code, which is a group that teaches girls how to, Black girls in particular, how to code anything they want to when, you know, back in like 1800s, early 1900s, Black women couldn't have jobs like that because we were looked at as not intelligent enough, et cetera, et cetera. But now you have people who are making that change to put Black women in these spaces. You can have them come in and teach kids about, hey, we couldn't do this in the past, but we can do it now. And that can inspire kids to learn more about it and things like that. I'm not dismissing pilgrims as like American history because that is American history, but it shouldn't be glorified as the American history. You know what I mean? Because there's more to it. Exactly. There's so much more to these these little set pieces that we've got in these textbooks that we jump to to and fro. And it really makes it difficult to put it all together and see how it affects the future. I think that's the real disconnect people have with history class is that with things like the civil rights movement, right? They have them in black and white pictures. They talk about them like this happened 100,000 years ago. They talk about this like, okay, black people, we set you free. Now get your act together. When there are people alive today that can still remember being part of those things. So it's really difficult to get these things across to kids, to younger kids, of course. But I think maybe we give them an a start something light in the beginning and we don't make them do the pledge of allegiance because that's that's weird and super overly patriotic but um <laughs> i agree the pledge is just even from a young age i was like that is just interesting i was <laughs> five years old they used a picture book to teach us the words and yep we were good little soldiers for a good while there but i digress yeah. I really want to see the youth taking an interest in history because it will continue to repeat until we make an actual effort to change how things are. We need to have a sympathetic, empathetic look at what we've done as a country and how we can remedy that. Right now, the country is saying, oh, yeah, we did these things, but it's okay because we gave uh, them casinos or we gave them some food stamps and now it's fine it's fine we're fine oh you're not fine oh that's too bad you didn't work hard enough okay bye <laughs> yeah like it's uh it's not a long time solution there pal it's and that's always been the solution for people of color and it's just like why why is that but i feel like that's because it this country was never built on a system that works for people who look like us anyway so it's like okay well, now that we are speaking out, being vocal about these things, 
the country is like, oh, shit, well, how do we handle them speaking out about what we're doing? Because now you have people who are not, are just not going to lay down and take, you know, the bullshit that some of the government says sometimes. They're like, no, that's not going to work. We're going to be vocal about people being killed in the streets, people being killed in a nail spa. We're going to talk about these issues because they matter. They're very important. We need to be listened to because at the end of the day, we're the foundation for this country. It's not European anymore. It's not. Uh, we mm-hmm. we have to, in the future, it's, it's definitely going to be us. And I feel that fully with my entire heart. But to have people listen to that is hard. It's very hard because like you're saying, they're just like, okay, well, we'll listen to it eventually, eventually. And then nothing ever comes of it. And it just keeps repeating and people start getting angrier and angrier. And it just, it's hard. It can be exhausting being POC sometimes. It really can. So what made you decide to do the month-long Black History Month one-a-day posts? I have no idea. I think, like, (laughs) I think I just, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just was, like, one day I just, sometime in 2020 or, oh, when did I first start doing those? I can't even remember now. I think, yeah, 2020, um, I just Mm -hmm. woke up and I was like, this would be such a cool idea because I've never seen someone do it before. So I'll give it a shot and I'll do it. And then, you know, I only had 800 people following me the first time I did it. But I did it anyway because I was like, this is great. I'm I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. And this year, it's fantastic to see how many people have been doing the exact same thing. It's there's so many other there were so many other black people in the fandom doing the exact same thing, teaching more about history every day that I had no idea about. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is fantastic because. I'm not the type of person that'll be like, well, this is my idea. I'm claiming it. Nah. Um, it's because it's not because anybody can teach. So, of course, I was like, oh, my God, this is great. I'm going to retweet everything that I can see that people are teaching because that's fantastic. And I'm glad that there were more people doing the exact same thing that I was teaching every single day. I just hope it continues. And I'm going to do it again next year because, like, oh, my gosh, it's it's just great. I love it. I love it so much. I, I try to post, like, Black History as much as I can still. I'm just like, oh, God, work and school have just been just hard, especially during a pandemic. But that's the thing about even if I'm not teaching, there's still people who are teaching in this fandom every single day. And it's it's fantastic. I love it. Who are some people really making the waves out there that you've noticed? Oh, my gosh. So everyone knows Chise and how they're talking about, like, um, just the vaccines and information that I've never heard of. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I feel like a scientist reading this. Like. Every time I read one of her posts, I'm like, oh, my God, big brain energy, because they are so smart and intelligent. But um, uh, Chocolate Quill, like I said, they're actually, they are a teacher. They're an educator. They teach Black history often. Boneless Rue, they speak about, um, like, more so Black music in general. There's, uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this person's name. It's either Crashes or Cassius. They have, like, a bird sona. Crassus. Yes, they also teach sometimes from time to time. Um, He's usually busy simping, but yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. Be beware if you <laughs> if you follow them. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are examples of just POC who are just teaching right now. And even like um, Tanya is very vocal about what's going on in the indigenous community. So is Wolf. And it's just, oh, yeah. uh, I love it. I love it. There's so many good teachers. And it's just like, y'all, it's not just me. Look at all these other people who are teaching. It's fantastic. Go follow them. 
It's just, oh, I love it. I love it. And of course, a lot of the guests that I've had on do teach in their spare time. Like, not teach, teach, but they drop little tidbits every now and then, which is always nice. Yes, absolutely. Oh, man. Just thinking back on it, I'm just... It's really cool to be able to have this in the fandom now because I feel like for a long time people were like in the dark about a lot of these things in the dark haha but they about a lot of these things and finally it's becoming like the forefront of the fandom's face in a way like spreading this information and make sure everybody knows about it because people care more and that's what I really need but at the same time they're still way too apathetic <laughs> about some things so it's a it's a process for sure of course like of course, people in the fandom are going to be more looking at, oh my god, who has the cutest fursuit than let's talk about black people problems. Because to some people, just looking at a fursuit all day is easier than wanting to listen to about, you know, history that will make them uncomfortable, et cetera, et cetera. But it's necessary to understand a lot of people in this fandom, a lot of people of color in this fandom, that sometimes you will have to sit down and learn and not just look at fursuits all day. Now, I'm not telling, I'm not saying you should be doing that all the time. I like looking at cute fursuits too. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes you should listen to POC and not just completely spend your time doing that. Like, again, I'm not telling people how to spend their time. Some people can listen to this and be like, well, I'm not going to do that anyway. Okay, that's your decision. But at the same time, don't get upset when POC starts speaking about issues and you don't understand it because you weren't listening to them to begin with. Because you prefer to stay on one side of the fandom instead of moving on with everyone else. And then you get mad when and claim that the fandom's not the same anymore because you're the reason or you're not the one who's listening to POC problems. So it's like... That's right. You can't mm-hmm. be hypocritical about something you don't understand. So it's kind of like you got to make the decision of what you want to do in this fandom <laughs> and how that affects your mood moving on because Again, if you look at cute fursuits all day and don't listen to POC, you're not going to know what's going on. And you're going to make ignorant comments and stupid decisions. So, Ah. yeah, that's my whole, like, spill about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was a good bit. Very good bit. All right. So I want to know some interesting historical tidbits that you've picked up along the way while you've been researching Black history. Okay. Like what do you what do you mean in particular? Do you mean just like, hmm, like anything facts that you've like... personally found interesting? Um, just how much? How many? Just like black women in general were behind like civil rights movements, because mostly you see just MLK, and it's like okay, well he's everyone looks at him as like the main figurehead, but it's like no, there were so many more people. And it's like, oh, that's fantastic. Um, The whole fact that I posted this last week about like uh, Harriet Tubman and how everyone just knows her as like the conductor of like the Underground Railroad. And I was like, no, guys, she was a spy. She was a nurse. She carried a rifle all the time. She was fantastic. Mm -hmm. She had like other facts about her, things like that. Um, Just I'm I'm biased because I'm a black woman, but just anything about just black women in general just I love it because it's not talked about enough especially when it comes to black history it's never talked about enough and it's just like I just I love fascination about that because you could read about 
figures like MLK and Malcolm X all the time. But you have to take it upon yourself to read about other people, you know, after them who influence even more people because it's it's fantastic. It's great learning more about you just you just have to look at history as a whole, black history as a whole and where it comes from and why people act the way they do now to understand it entirely. Because if you don't, you'll be one of those people who get an MLK bumper sticker or quote a random MLK tweet on MLK Day. And it's just like, but <laughs> you're not understanding what's going on. Yeah, that's definitely not the move. That's not something you want to be doing. There were a lot of people involved back then because, you know, it was a historical movement, unprecedented kind of thing. But we only show focus to a super whitewashed version of MLK in the history books. So I suggest learning about the real MLK and learning about Malcolm X and learning about uh, Fred Hampton, who is on my list of things to learn about personally. Yes. I keep hearing that he was getting too powerful, so the government assassinated him. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. That's just a, yeah. That's yep. pretty much it. That's yep. That's it. That's literally it. <laughs> well, do it. you have any more background on what exactly he was doing? Because I heard he was bringing people together, and that was scary. Well, I mean, from just the colonial perspective. When you have powerful black people coming together, it's terrifying to them. Mm. That's why, like, going back even further, when the whole, like, uprising in Haiti happened, and they were like, oh, my God, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. What, what is going on? How are these people fighting against our forces? How is that happening? That's unthinkable. It's the idea that black people being powerful in their own way is unthinkable. That's why there's so many people against the Black Lives Matter movement. Because it's uplifting us and bringing us together like he was. And it terrifies people. I don't understand why black strength, like strength, just terrifies people so much. I will never understand that. It's like they... like, damn, black street productions. Exactly. They want it to look more violent than it actually is. It's like they're waiting for us to start burning stuff down or like breaking windows when in reality we're holding a violent vigil in the park. But here comes the National Guard for some reason. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay. It's just, ter- it terrifies the government. I don't understand why. <laughs> I will never understand why. Did you have any historical figures that you looked up to in particular? Oh my gosh. My favorite. Of course, I have a ton of just like just black figures in general, but like every time someone asks me like who my favorite like just black historical figure is, it is definitely Muhammad Ali. I've loved Muhammad Ali since I was since I was a kid. I had like huh. a, an obsession with him when I was a kid because not only like do I have a past of doing MMA and boxing, but just the fact that he was always unapologetically himself. And he was always like, one day he knew what he wanted and he worked towards that. He was like, well, I'm going to be the greatest. Watch me. Watch me be the greatest. I love that because that's kind of how I want to be. I want to be like, I'm going to teach as many people as I can. Watch me teach as many people as I can. Watch me be unstoppable helping other people. Watch me do this. And like, I, I love that, that he could be so bold in what he was doing in his field 
and just make people happy or smile and laugh and go on to be known as this fantastic legend. I love that. Like, I don't even have to be known when all this is over. I'm not doing this for any clout. I'm doing this because I can. I, I want people to feel that same passion as I do with history. And the only way to do that is if I'm confident myself about doing it. So I've always wanted to be like as confident as he is. I'm working towards it, but he is definitely like my top favorite like historical figure. I love him like forever and always. He's oh my god, he's fantastic. God damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I could I, I could talk about him like all day. <laughs> wow, I did not know people felt this passionately about Muhammad Ali. Damn, I'm really missing <laughs> out. So after the protests of last year and how things are settling now, basically back to a negative piece, how do you feel 2021 is going to go for people that look like us? It's going to be just as hard. I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that there are more people who are willing to listen because there there are, but it's not enough people who are willing to listen. Um, I'm not bashing those who are willing to uplift voices because they're doing a phenomenal job. But until we continue to do that, it's it's going to be the same. It's a shame that every single year there is an innocent life taken, innocent lives taken, innocent POC lives taken every single year. And I feel that's because there's not enough POC voices being uplifted. Of course, there's now it feels like there's more people on our side willing to listen to POC, but that's because we're surrounding ourselves with people who are willing to listen. There's a whole other side of the fandom who believes opposite. And they'll pop up occasionally, every single month, every single week, every single year. And it's been like that since the protests have started. But it's just, I feel like until we continue to push these people out or educate them if they want to be educated it's going to be the same because we just we have to just keep working harder and harder i'm not bashing all the process that or the progress that we've made now it's fantastic but we we definitely have to do more and i think with like harvest moon is an example of us doing more um i'm i'm hoping it's not the same but again that's just how i feel at the moment and it it kind of sucks to say it it sucks to say that I feel like it's going to be the same, but I just, the change has to come for me to fully believe that it's it's going to get a little bit better than it is now. I definitely hope that it's going to be better sooner rather than later. And, yeah. well, I want to see POC banding together. I want to see BIPOC people just coming together to fight what our real enemy is, right? Like, uh, white supremacy and it's getting to a boiling point with some of these things where people are just seeing red where they're just angry <laughs> angry as fuck and they want to act out and lash out because it's hard to continue to be patient to slowly educate to talk about these things because nothing's really changing for us out there we're still getting gunned down on the street for no reason exactly. as recent as the Atlanta shootings that happened at three different spas mm -hmm. by a deranged man who just hated I mean come on it's obvious he hated Asian women for one reason or another 
and I'm seeing these people who came out for BLM or came out for uh, Black Lives uh, suddenly shun our Asian brothers and sisters, which I'm not cool with at all. It that makes no sense. It's like if you you can if you can come out and show support for BLM, you could do the exact same thing now. Whether it's you're speaking about it, whether you're sharing posts, whether you're donating. You could make a change. You just have to make that decision. You have to do better. I don't know why people are pitting races against each other. I don't know why people are saying, well, this minority never liked us, blah, 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 blah. I made a tweet about that a couple of days ago. No, it. that's what your parents believe. That's what people taught you to believe. But you don't have to think that way. You can support anyone you want to support. You can. You know what the right decision is. You know what it means to help someone. If you see someone in need, you help them. Whether it's if you can't donate, you listen to experiences, you retweet experiences, you retweet stories, you listen to what's going on. If you're staying silent, then you know you're a part of the problem. That's always been how it was, no matter what situation it is. It just, I don't, I don't understand why people are now just so surprised to see this happening. It's always happened. People just don't want to talk about it as much as other topics. And it just, it's sad. It's very sad. It's sad. And it's kind of making me a little upset because when you say, oh, black people aren't the freaking Avengers that's going to come in and save Asian people. Okay, head ass. You're disregarding all the work that's been putting into L.A., to rebuilding the black-Korean relationship there. There's been actual work put into there. People are volunteering to protect the Asian communities and protect the elders because they they have seen them getting attacked on the streets and everything. They don't want this to continue in the communities because they recognize that it's white supremacy that's the true enemy and put them against each other in the first place. This quote-unquote model minority myth going against black people and using them as a pawn just... To continue that today in earnest, thinking earnestly that it's some kind of some kind of competition is just it's ridiculous and it's really disappointing and it really shows how how much history and empathy that we're lacking with and connection with each other. <sighs> yep. Literally. I couldn't have said it any better myself, honestly. It just it's it's because so many people missed exactly what I was talking about when they were younger, that critical thinking, critical learning. And that's why they feel that the negative and terrible ways that they do. It's why they hate. It's why people hate each other. It's why people kill each other because no one told them any different when they were younger. And it's just, it leads to situations like this. So you mean to tell me, Oh, just because he's having a bad day, he can go and kill everybody he wants? It doesn't make any sense. Disgusting. Literally disgusting. There are fast food workers out there that have shakes thrown at them, that have actual hot food thrown at them because someone didn't get their cookie. Yep. Do they go around shooting everybody? This is ridiculous. Ugh. I just think of all the people that had 
the people that were the victims just had so much to give. They had so much life to give. Mm -hmm. They had children. They had families that were expecting them. And it just, just one day, one day was all it took. And this isn't falling down. This isn't the Joker. This isn't some kind of <laughs> man against the world movie where it's uh, a cinema experience. No, it's it's real life and it has real consequences. Absolutely. And this guy, this guy should be nowhere near anyone except, you know, behind bars. Exactly. It's like why I don't understand how people who attack the Capitol are still walking free. That was a serious offense. That was literally a terrorist attack. But no one's calling it that. <laughs> no one's calling them enemies of the U.S. It's, oh, they're true patriots because they broke windows of the Capitol because they said, because the government said something they didn't like. It just, I'll never understand it. Oh, man. The people storming the Capitol. <laughs> that guy that dressed up in the the animal stuff, the freaking shaman or whatever, and how he was crying like a baby. He wasn't getting his vegan meals. Oh my god! Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Muslim inmates were denied their their preferred diet dietary treatment and just told to suck it up. Why couldn't Pretty Boy suck it up? It's crazy. I remember, literally, I was coming home from work, and I just turn on the TV, and I'm like. What the hell is happening? What is this? What is going on? <laughs> I was like, what? and then when I found out who who it was, who the group was, I was like, oh my god, that's going to be the biggest presidential pardon in U.S. history by the orange man. I'm not going to say his name mm -hmm. because he was the one who told them to go do it. Uh huh. <laughs> So, of course, he's going to be like, he's going to praise them, and they're not going to get any any reprimands for it. And it's just like, what? Oh, my God. None of, I, was, I was literally like, most of those people are going to get away with it. And they have. And it sucks. It sucks. What is that saying about our country as a whole? If we allow white terrorists to do whatever they want to the country with no reprimations... White supremacy is that strong in this country, and it is absolutely deplorable. It's it's embarrassing. Like I, my uncle, who one of my uncles who lives in Barbados, literally called my dad and was like, "What is going on over there?" You had if you have people from other countries, like, oh my god, what the hell is that? It's a problem. Mm. <laughs> it is a serious problem. We definitely looked weak that day. One of my other friends told me that we looked so weak to other countries because it would be so easy to infiltrate us and have spies and take our information. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's it was it was just it was disappointing. That was a sad day. It was awful. It was awful. Oh gosh, you're right about that. Anyway, I think it's about time to wrap things up finally. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to know <laughs> some cool BIPOC furs out there, you know, doing the work that you want to shout out. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm on like the price is right. Um, so Gazi, love of my life, Fight Skin Tiger. 
He's doing amazing things with his art. Uh, Solar Dog, uh, Pitbull King, he's doing great things. Uh, Chocolate Quill, I mentioned them like three times. Um, Chisei, um, oh God, why am I blanking on people? Uh, Boneless Roo, um, why? Why am I blanking on people? Uh, Jinxus, Wolf, Tanya, um, yeah, I guess that, that I guess that's it. That's all the the minds that are, and of course you, absolutely. Um, hey, those are thank all you. the people. Yeah, you're welcome. All the people who are just coming to mind at the moment. Uh, Cujo. Yeah, that's. I think that's about it. That's all I got. <laughs> I know I'm missing. Got people, you. But yeah. Now tell me, what is your favorite thing about being a furry? Um. <laughs> the pause. That's sad. <laughs> Um, I just like seeing art from different people of color because you have different people using certain colors in their artwork that means something. You have people drawing in things from their cultures. You have people drawing themselves enjoying certain meals in, in artwork. You have them wearing different types of streetwear that's very popular in the country they're from. It's just, I love seeing art from POC because it's so unique. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Also, just hearing music from POC in the fandom is really cool. It's really neat. It's not talked about enough. It's not hyped up enough. But I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Hell yeah. All right. That just about does it for this episode. Thank you again, Mandy, for coming down and chatting with me on the show. Yay. You're welcome. You've got the spotlight to promote anything you like. Go for it. Oh my gosh, uh, read more books, um, support black businesses, support black artists, learn more history, learn more black history. Um, yeah, that's that's all I got. <laughs> Be sure to follow the show at what's the fuzz underscore on Twitter and follow Mandy at Arachnid Says. Thanks everybody for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.